What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lin, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast, where we are set to transform the workplace. I'm happy you're tuning in and joining me on this journey as we talk about leadership and its effect on the employee experience. Did you know that you can give a People First Leader a shout out here on the podcast? Check out the listen page on our website, leadingpeoplefirst.com, and share some praise that you have for that amazing leader in your life, and I'll be sure to highlight that person in a future episode. Do you truly understand the impact that you have on this world? When we think of things like degrees of separation, the exact same concept applies to our actions. And our actions have this huge ripple effect. That's why I spoke with motivational and keynote speaker Scott Mason on the importance of building a better purpose-driven self. Scott focuses on connecting us to our higher purpose to build a better self and a better world and is the host of the Scott Mason's Purpose Highway podcast. Before we jump into this interview, I do want to ask you something. Are you a people-first leader looking for ways to help your team feel connected while working apart? And are you ready to disrupt traditional training methods with creativity and play? This episode's people-first partner, WorkSmart, has the solution for you. With their hands-on virtual experiences using creativity and play, team development and leadership training is never boring, always inclusive, and highly engaging. One recent participant said, when I received a creativity kit in the mail full of Legos and creative tools, I knew that this was going to be different. I left with new skills to apply to my work and a great experience with my team. Visit WorkSmart's website under We're Virtual to bring a program to your organization. That's WorkSmartAdvantage.com. Now let's dive right into this episode. Hey, Scott, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Well, your energy, something that you bring to the table is something that I'm really excited about. I mean, I've gone through, you know, looked, looked at your work, looked at the videos you've done, the, the interviews you've done. And, you know, after, afterwards, I was like ready to run a marathon. Like, I was like ready to go. <laughs> Good. Then I've accomplished one little thing every yeah. day with you. And that, that's worthwhile for yeah. me, man. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> well, I, I did want to also share with you, uh, you know, some feedback, uh, some praise that someone sh- uh, shared with me about you. Uh, very quick to the point, but it is your co-host, Oleg Lohid, <laughs> and said, you know, I mean, Scott is an exceptional listener, visionary thinker, and down-to-earth mm, human being. So, I mean, you have made such an amazing impact on those around you, and you're continuing to do so. So, I want to jump right into it. What does it mean to you to lead people first? Thank you for asking. First of all, leadership can often be seen as, and most broadly defined, as the ability to exert one's agency over others, to have influence, to have authority, to be able to drive the direction of a business, a project, an organization, an initiative, something that ultimately moves and and changes the world that we live in. But, Within that broad definition, there is an actual means for the leadership of whatever it is to actually be executed. And that's where leading with people and leading people first comes to the table. Because the only reason any organization, initiative, or anything else that leadership might be connected to exists It's because of a need of something for people. And 
a collective of people that in one way or another come into play in order to fulfill that need. And in order to effectively corral people to fulfill that need, the ability to drive that corralling to make it happen is a core competency of leadership. It's one that's often ignored, and which is why it's so important that you're doing this podcast. It's essential. It's life or death, really, for most initiatives and pretty much every business or every other organization. Yeah, there's a huge impact that uh, leaders have, and that human element is something that you know does get put on the on the back burner, unfortunately. And this is something that you, I know, you've had an incredible journey getting to where you are today. So, how did you learn to lead people first? How did you get to where you are today and, and develop this mindset that you have? A couple of things. First of all, I had to make a lot of mistakes along the way, and handle the human part of management in ways that were not effective in order to learn from those mistakes and then improve, number one. Number two, I had to be mismanaged as a person myself and understand the impact firsthand by feeling it of what it is to be treated as a non-human or even a subhuman in a context of being led in order to really understand then what leadership was, as well as to be in situations where I really felt empowered, really felt like my humanity was sort of put um, as gold on a platter and handed to me so that I could really relish it, really enjoy it, really eat it up like it was a chocolate bar and then take whatever it was I was associated with to another level. So a study in contrast also helps. You know, then there was one other important thing that happened to me. Um, at one point in my career, when I was around 37 or 38, I was working for a large governmental agency with a very, very important social mission. And I was frustrated because I felt a lot of leadership opportunities and promotions that were coming to certain colleagues around me simply were not coming my way. I was working for the government at the time, and a lot of the ways people got ahead were by having mentors sort of adopt them. And then those people would look out for the mentees back and, and you know, roll out red carpet opportunities or support yeah. them and all that sort of thing. And it wasn't happening to me. And I was griping about it to my boss. I was saying, you know, I just really feel frustrated because I'm having to fight for everything I need in order to get ahead in my career. No one just says, I'll be your mentor, Scott, and, and gives me opportunities. It just doesn't happen. And he said, you know, Scott, you're absolutely right. It will never be you. You will never have a mentor. That's just the way it's going to be, at least as long as you're working for the city. Now, that was devastating to hear, but what he said next was a silver lining that really got me to begin to understand leadership as an art and a science. He said, Scott, you're going to have to learn to mentor yourself. That's who will be your mentor. Yes. Yeah. I took that to heart. I really did. And leadership, because that's something that I wanted for myself, something I felt connected to was one of the things that I began to mentor myself on. I literally began to put myself um, together a curriculum of books that I would read or seminars that I would listen to or watch online or that sort of thing to educate myself on a whole host of issues related to organizational development, business, management, and leadership. And as I began to read, I also began to absorb and be able to apply. So it was a whole stew 
of various inputs that have allowed me to really develop that um, as something that I feel strongly about and have been told I have some expertise on. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's so much to unpack there, but the biggest thing that you just said was really this mindset of constantly learning and growing, right? We have to have this development uh, and self-development. And the thing that I love that your, your manager said is to mentor yourself. And, and that's something that I think a lot of people miss because when we talk about leadership, oftentimes the misconception is that people have to be a boss of someone. But there's so much more to that. There's not just the ability to influence those around you as a leader, right, without a authoritarian position, but the ability to lead yourself, right? You need to have that ability to lead yourself to whatever goal you're trying to achieve, to be mm -hmm. able to hit that next target, to be able to learn. And, and that, that leadership in and of itself for yourself, that will drive the uh the influence that you'll be able to have outward towards other people because people will see your growth and your learning and they are drawn to that and that mm. is how you also can influence people you know it, that's a very interesting point and unpacking what you just said as you were unpacking what <laughs> i just said <laughs> there actually was a lot in there but there's something i really want to go right into because I think it's a core part of leadership that exists both um, in opposition to leadership um, and underneath effective leadership itself. And that is the concept of self-discipline. If we're going to grow and self-develop, it takes commitment. It takes accepting the fact, A, that we need to do that, B, that we need to continually do it, C, that it's probably gonna be a lifetime practice, D, that it requires the self-discipline to wake up every day and say, I'm going to do something to further that goal. No yes. matter how many failures we have, no matter how tiring it might feel like at any given time, to consistently do that. I'm sure in your case, Chris, there are days when you wake up and you say to yourself, I don't want to learn anymore. I'm tired of learning. Why can't I just be one of those people that sits back in my chair and has everyone tell them that they know everything? Um, and that would feel so good and it would be easy to just rest. I remember one time I had a staff member come into my office one day and she was having a conflict with one of her subordinates. She said, um, this subordinate told me that she wanted to mentor me on something and, and I wanted to mentor her on something. I told her I'm 41 years old. I don't need a mentor anymore. Well, you know, I told her right then and there, we all need mentors. I was 41 myself yeah. at the time. I wanted a mentor. Don't dismiss that. Don't take, don't take yourself out of that. Don't say, I don't need to learn. And when I mentioned earlier that I view that as a foundation of leadership or something that is within effective leadership, as well as existing in opposition of leadership, what you talked about in the first sentence of your paragraph a few minutes ago about you know bossing people around. To me, that is, you know, that's leadership that you may be able to ex exert solely because you have a position to do that. Yes. And people do rebel either passively or overtly to those sorts of circumstances. But it also reflects a lack of self-discipline. Leadership isn't easy. People are not revered as great leaders because leadership is something that anyone can do well. They're revered because there's a subconscious understanding we all know of how hard it is. 
bossing someone around, not engaging in self-development, having leadership be um, an exercise in externalized narcissism is the easy route. Yeah. That's someone who's leading without the self-discipline to truly elevate themselves and whatever they're associated with to that next level. Yeah, absolutely. That self-discipline is something that is really important. Um, you know, for, for me, myself, uh, you know, there's a lot of times, especially at night when I work on this podcast, either researching my guests, right. Or, or editing or whatever it is. There's so yeah. many times when I just want to sit on the couch and just like watch TV, but <laughs> there's so much time. Like I, the days that I've done that or the nights I should say that I've done that, I wake up the next morning and be like, I just wasted an hour of my mm-hmm. life doing nothing. And yeah. I could have done it you know, to develop or further myself or further my goal. Right. And, and so there's a lot of, there is a lot of opportunity, but there's also so much lost when you don't take that time because right time is that one thing that we can never get back. Absolutely. And so it's very important for all of us and especially leaders to have that self-discipline. And I know something that you've said before is, you know, organizations needing to have grit and resilience and leaders needing to have that as well. So, I mean, what can leaders do in those organizations who are focused on resilience? What can they do to sustain success and innovation when they're really, especially right now, being asked to buckle down and just make it through the tough times? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First of all, times like right now, when we're being asked to buckle through and make it through the tough times, and that is something that we have to, I feel we sometimes just have to have mental, we have to just almost say as a mantra to ourselves, I'm going to buckle down and make it through the tough time. Mm-hmm. But one thing that we can all do as leaders is recognize and understand that the tough times that we buckle through are times when the people who survive and see the other side are as often as not falling into two categories, the essential and the visionary. I'll focus on the latter. Tough times are when the self-discipline and the commitment to creativity that I also believe is an under-discussed but highly important leadership skill can come together and allow each of us, if we choose to walk down that path, put ourselves in that mindset to become that visionary. Once you have that vision, you have a purpose. And when we are, we are leading with a sense of purpose, self-discipline, while ne- not necessarily easy, it's much less difficult. We can more easily weigh the temptation to watch TV or to kick back and play a game or to listen to the 15th remix of that latest Maroon 5 song uh, <laughs> against right, the, the desire to achieve our goal, to connect with our purpose, or to connect with the purpose of our leadership. And that gives us a lot. And it also, by the way, gives us the incentive and motivation to inspire others. Purpose, mission, vision, those are all things that if we communicate with true passion from the heart, people connect to. They can't help it. It's like a positive version of a virus. People catch it. The only thing is they want more and more and more of it. And that gives the entire organization an ability to be sustainable, no matter what's going on. It's situations where leaders 
indulge in um, negative thinking or let their inner depression or fear step outside of their minds or outside of their very closest confidants and into those that they lead. And then there becomes a feedback loop. I mean, one of the big things I think that goes back as to what we were talking about a few minutes ago about bossing people around versus leading is leaders as often as not, and the best leaders certainly understand that there is an interdependence between them and the followers. Because if no one's following, you're not leading anyone. <laughs> it's almost axiomatic, but people forget that, right? And so if you're feeding back and forth and making sure that what you're putting out is positivity, you're, the people that are following you are going to react accordingly. And that's going to create a positive um, vision, you know, a positive sensibility with you. And people's connection with that vision are going to reinforce the power that that vision and that mission brings into you. Again, furthering your march and making your legs kick up a little higher as, as you are engaging in the march. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's this, it's this uh, positive feedback loop, right? And, and it gains momentum, it builds, right? It's that snowball effect that once that ball starts rolling down that hill, it can really get bigger, get a lot, gain a lot of steam, and really, really make an impact, right? And, you know, uh, avalanches aren't necessarily the best analogy here, but that's what's coming to mind is, you know, that small little drop can create that avalanche of change and that huge wave uh, of, of momentum that can really make a huge impact on whatever it is that you're trying to work, work towards. Absolutely. And positivity, by the way, is an intentional type of thinking. I view mindsets almost as records on a turntable. You put on a dirge-like record in your mind. Your mindset becomes dirge-like. We all have it within us to have the power to say, I just put my needle on a dirge-like groove. Mm -hmm. Let me lift that needle off and put on some Donna Summer and get the bouncing ball moving into something more positive. Now, recognizing that mindset, recognizing that you've got the dirge on and subconsciously taking the needle off and putting it onto a different record. Again, it's one of those practices that we have to engage in every day, just like practicing empathy with those that we lead, practicing getting up out of the bed and not watching the Game of Thrones over and over. Those are the sorts of self-disciplines that are, again, hidden within the concept of leadership, but they're absolutely essential for us to pull it out and, and, and create that avalanche that you're talking about, for lack of better analogy. Yeah. So, so that leads me to another question. Um, what, what do you think are some of the underrated or underappreciated skills? You've talked about a, a couple of them, right? Like things like empathy or creativity. What are some of the underappreciated skills or skills that we're not necessarily focusing on that you think leaders or, and especially people first leaders need to have? Number one, consistency particularly with regards to bringing it. And by bringing it, I mean your full self, all of who you are to the table as a leader to whatever it is that you're leading, particularly when there's other people in the room. Again, leaders all have time and hard periods and all of us that have our confidants or our people that we can pull aside 
and say, I'm really feeling down today. I, I, I just, I don't know if I can make it through and, and have those people pull you up. But generally when it comes to being able to inspire the troops, to be able to um, make sure that what you're, whatever it is that you're working on is moving forward, consciously saying, I'm going to bring it and bring it all. You may not be feeling well that day, or you may be feeling depressed, or you may have had a fight at home, or your plumbing may have broken, or whatever. That's not the problem of those that you lead. That's your problem. Bringing it means recognizing that just because you're having a bad day, don't feel well, no one else has to endure that. Your people need you. So that's number one. Number two, understanding that when you're a leader, those that you lead are your responsibility. They're your people. You need to be there for them. You don't just need to be there for the project or the initiative. You need to be there for them. The project is what it is. They are human beings and people every single day. So it may be that you have to have emotional output or emotional availability to and for them that you're not getting yourself. Well, that's part of the burden of leadership. Leadership isn't just getting the, the glory and the fame and the money. It comes with it a lot of challenge and a lot of burden, and we have to be willing to accept that. The final thing that I'll say, and that is something that I'm, many people will disagree with me on, but I maintain this, and that is you have to be able and willing to love. In particular, love the people that you lead. Yes. And it better, it really should be love, whatever it is that you're working on. Yep. Love is an uncomfortable emotion for us to discuss, particularly in a workplace context. A, because it's seen as quote unquote unprofessional and B, because of the fact that there are a, a myriad of workplace laws, rules, regulations that can make love complicated, right? Like if you have to fire someone yeah. and they sue you, that complicates love. <laughs> but I will say, Coming from a place of love for those people, seeing them for who they are, all of their virtues, focusing on that, people connect to it. If you really want to get people behind you, even if your project is something so boring, let's say installing a new CRM system for your company, right? It's hard to think of something more boring than that. But if you bring that love for the people and what you're doing, they will connect with it and they will commit. You just have to be fearless. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the love component, right, really helps individuals and leaders understand what someone is going through, right? Yes. That it's, I mean, I've implemented a brand new CRM in my in my time did you love it <laughs> i mean hey i i come from the change management organizational development standpoint i love it right it, it's all about because for me it's all about people right and yeah and, uh and the connection that i have to help leaders figure out is what is this change going to impact the people mm -hmm. that you're uh that that it's going to 
have to reword that, but right, you, what is this going to do to the people that uh, have to implement the system? What do, what do they have to learn? What are the changes in the process? All of these things that they, as leaders, they say, oh yes, there's a shiny new toy or we need to become more effective, but they don't think mm -hmm. about that human impact and that human element. And that having that love brings that understanding and care that you have. I mean, I've, um, you know, again, I've been part of uh, this pandemic layoff, right? I, I lost my job, but I had a CEO who was, even though he was on every single call, he was on every single call to lay, to have to lay those people off, mm. laid off 10%, 12, 10, 12% of the workforce. He was on every single call because he cared about those people and he was on the verge of tears on every single call. Mm. So, I mean, that shows you the amount of care and compassion that he had and how difficult of a decision he had to make. And it also showed that he owned it, right? It showed yeah. that he owned yeah. that situation and the yeah. place that he was in. So while that was heartbreaking for me, I know it was, you know, triple, quadruply heartbreaking for him because he had to do that for, I think it was like 60, 80 people, right? Like yeah. a ton of people. So there's so much there where love has a great impact on, again, not just you as a leader, but for me, right, as an employee that's being effective negatively and losing my job, yeah. that showed me the leadership and compassion that he had for us. You know, there is an interesting analogous story that I'll share with you, and it's about a completely different sort of traumatic situation that staff were in. Um, by way of background, I am custom made for the apocalypse. The meteor were to strike the United States tomorrow. I would be fine. That's just part of my makeup. I'm really good in emergencies and I react very fast. I don't say that as a matter of bragging or anything like that. It's just the way I am. I've always been that way. And I will, and I say that as a background to explain what I'm about to happen. So there was a job I had where I oversaw a large staff of professionals. And they were very seasoned professionals, by and large, as well as an admin staff. And this took up an entire floor of an office building that I was in. And one day, there was apparently a fire um, in this, on this floor. And smoke filled up the entire floor. And I was reporting to the agency head at the time, or the, the person who was responsible ultimately for this particular organization. And when that happened, you know, I told her immediately, you need to leave because you're the head of this. You need to be out of here. And she was more than happy to leave. And then, you know, the fire alarms went off and people began to shuffle out. And I was running around trying to make sure everyone was gone. And then because I am so good in apocalyptic situations, I just, that's me sort of popping into my element without even really thinking. I after everyone had gone, went through the entire floor, through the smoke, to make sure that there was not a single person still left in their office or in a conference room or in any bathroom. And then I left. And I didn't really even think anything about it. And that's why I say this wasn't any act that came out of any particular courage or anything like that. It's just this default mechanism that I'm in. Yeah. And later, I was in a staff meeting. And someone raised their hand 
it was a very difficult staff meeting and I don't think that all of the staff people that were working there were necessarily the biggest Scott Mason's fans in the world, although some of them were, many of them were, but certainly not all of them were. But one, someone raised her hand and she said, I just wanted to thank you for staying after all of us and walking around to make sure that everyone was okay. Um, that really meant a lot to us. And that actually floored me. Then people were nodding their head, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I realized really what had been for me just a matter of duty and habit was perceived by those employees as an, a willingness to sacrifice because of love for them. Yes. They perceived me as willing to put my own life on the line, literally, to make sure that all of them were okay. Really, I, I can't say that that was heroic. It, it really wasn't. Like I said, it was just this default way I get into. But I thought a lot about what that must have meant to people. How I would have felt if that were me. And how I would have viewed that leader later. And it's something that goes exactly to what you're saying. We need to show that we are there for them, that we're willing to sacrifice something, even if it is our own happiness or our own, um, our own time, as your CEO did. He was sacrificing both his happiness, his mental safety, um, his, his, his armor that he might have had up, as well as his time by being on every single phone call to be there with those people. So again, whether whatever his motive may have been or not, as you correctly say, he was there for those people. Yes. That's leadership. Yeah. That again, it, it's a huge impact. Uh, that's an incredible story. One that I haven't heard uh, you share before, but um, that's something that has this huge, profound uh I keep saying the word impact, but that's really what it is. It's this impact. It's this, it also builds this loyalty, right? And there's a lot, there's often times when companies expect loyalty from their employees, right? But it's, it's not reciprocated, but if, and employees really want that feeling that their boss has their back. I mean, you yeah. showed it in an extreme way in, in quite literally a life or death situation, but I mean, that's what, you know, employees want, you know, I mean, I remember growing up in, you know, and, and working in retail and everyone who's worked in retail or the food industry has that story of a terrible customer. And then the customer says, I want your manager. And all the employee wants is the manager to say, I've got your back and support the right decision that you made as an employee, right? If it was a wrong decision, there is some little gray area there based on what happens, but usually it's, you know what? Yes, we will do what we can for the customer, but we will also do what's right for the employee and make sure that that loyalty is there. And as you build that loyalty, you build that trust, you have a higher engagement, you have a better experience as, as an employee. So it's really, really important. And I know that's something that, um, something else that you want to also focus on and talk about is, right, this connection between purpose, self-development, leadership, and, and our role as leaders in, to the outside world. So can you share a little bit more about how all of those intertwine and, and really affect each other? Yeah, absolutely. So as you correctly stated, part of what I, large part of what I've used my personal mission is to create space where people can connect with their higher purpose so they can build a better self and a bigger and a better world. Chris, we're in a time now where the need for a better world 
is more apparent than ever. We're all locked away and we've been locked away for months in a crisis that has no apparent end in sight. We have people, particularly here in New York City where I live, who have been very, very sick. And, you know, I live very near Central Park, um, which is not that far away from where they literally were putting in, you know, hospital beds to deal with huge numbers of sick people during the worst uh, of the initial surge of the virus um, this spring. Leadership, the call to leadership or the decision to be a leadership, to be a leader, particularly if it is going to really have that legacy creation in the world that we all want, ultimately is going to be defined by its impact on the world. As we talked about earlier, Every single thing that we do, every initiative, every business, every organization, every social interaction in one way or another has an impactful radiance out beyond us. And so when we're impacting that outside world, we're acting as leaders. And when we're intentionally deciding to drive something that has a measurable impact on the outside, then we're assuming a leadership role. We usually do that by assuming leadership roles, whether official or not, within some sort of larger organization. Purpose, a reason for why we're doing what we're doing that is not just us, is therefore absolutely critical for that ability. If we don't have purpose, it, or if the only purpose is us, then ultimately it's going to fail. Because the only person, I'll be honest with you and anyone that's listening, that is truly committed to you, outside of maybe your spouse or your mother, is you. Other people are never going to get a massive buy-in to you to meet their needs. Because at the end of the day, they have their own needs that are their priorities first. Yes. And so purpose is that thread that connects us all and gives us the ability and the drive to have impact outside of our own tiny little bubble. Connection to that purpose has historically been, as I perceive it, in particularly the self-help world, but even in, you know, in, in a lot of religious communities or even just in casual conversation related to building the better self so that we feel good, so that we're happy inside, so that we have better um, self-esteem. I strongly feel that that's not enough. If we're going to build a better self, understanding that we are all connected, that we all are interdependent on each other in one way or another, even if it's just your, our interdependency on someone else to have water come out of the faucet when we turn it, requires then for us to commit to that connection to others, that connection to the larger world. Stopping our self-development then at the self is a block there. If we choose to connect our purpose-driven self-development intentionally to building a better world, our impact is limitless. 
we're ultimately, of course, going to feel better inside, but the legacy that we leave behind is going to be more profound than we can imagine. And that also puts us in a position where, as leaders, we're able to begin to intentionally leave self-centered leadership behaviors behind, because that purpose is what we're clear on as our ultimate driver. The sad part about self-centered leadership is that it destroys those that attach themselves to it, but it ultimately always ends up destroying the leader, him or herself. You know, there's great books out there on the um, life stories of dictators who usually are very self-oriented leaders, or else they wouldn't be dictators. It almost always ends badly, whether the mobs turn against them or their own health deteriorates, or in the last minute, you know, like in the case of Stalin, people were afraid of him. He had a stroke in his room and no one could or would help him because they were afraid to knock on the door because he was, you know, you risked execution if you, if you interrupted his naps. Yeah. And so, right, the, we also, just as a matter of self-preservation, I think this connection to purpose and building a better world is important. Um, and, and I actually think that self-preservation is a bigger deal now than ever again because the situation that we're in worldwide with regards to the pandemic has showed, right, coughing on someone and then you carrying the virus that you might have got through that cough and then infecting your grandmother and costing her her life shows exactly the chain of connection how strong that is between us yeah there's a huge there's a huge connection from from leaders and just us as individuals to the impact that we have on the rest of the world which leads me to my last question is what is the impact that you scott mason are looking to leave on this world Mm, a great question. I will answer that first by saying I'm a strong believer that providence, the universe, however you want to frame the larger world that we operate in, often has plans for us that are outside of our control. And I personally, after many years of resisting that idea, have come to accept that the ultimate impact that I'm going to have in the world is in a way beyond my control. I want to accept whatever that, what I call the providential stream is, flow with it, and maximize the impact that way. However, I do know this. I want to make sure that whatever I'm involved in, A, lasts beyond me, B, is something that makes people feel like they have been loved, like their life has been positively transformed, and that the world that they're operating in is just a little bit better in whatever tiny way. I know that's broad. I know that's general. I know that's cliche. But at the end of the day, this is one of those cliches where particularly where I'm, I'm very much a believer, like I said, that our, the universe of... Uh, our outcome possibilities is defined by things that are outside of our control. It's yeah. really the most specific that I have to answer. And that that's okay. I think that uh, for, for individuals and, and for you yourself is when you look at the impact that you're looking to leave, it often is this broader, more vague kind of statement because that is what you're looking to have on people. And that mm -hmm. actually drives more people to you, right? Because people are drawn in because of that. So um, I think that's perfectly okay. I do not think it's a cliche. And again, cliches are cliches for a reason, right? So totally. 
I will also say this. I don't want to be one of those people who, you know, there's there's a funeral for them and people are either celebrating or no one shows up. Right. To me, a, a, a successful life is one where people are there and they're crying. Well, wonderful. Uh, thank you again for for coming on to the Leading People First podcast. I know that you have just started your own podcast. Uh, by the time this episode drops, you'll probably be a few episodes in, but where can people find you, talk about your podcast, and, and where can they connect with you? Absolutely. First of all, my website is www.speakerscott.com. That's one word, www.speakerscott.com. My podcast name is Scott Mason's Purpose Highway. You can find me on Instagram at s.scott underscore Mason or on LinkedIn smason1. Scott Mason obviously is a full name and links to the podcast can all be found there as well as um, ultimately that will be up on my website as well. And um, I would be happy to talk to anyone more about this stuff. It's engaging and more important now than ever, Chris. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes. So make sure you check out Scott. Um, And man, you have to check out Scott's videos, um, all of his interviews. Again, they are, they are so powerful. They're so uh, inspiring and motivational. So make sure you you check those out. Thank you. And you know how to inspire. So thank you for having me. I'm glad you could join me to talk about building a better purpose-driven self on this episode of the Leading People First podcast. Our connection to purpose and the actions we take from there are going to make a huge impact on the lives around us. That's why it's really important to be cognizant of our actions and the effect that it has on others, especially for our employees in the workplace. One tiny decision that you may think is insignificant can make or break your team's morale and motivation. So make sure you check out Scott's website, podcast, Instagram, and LinkedIn. They're all in the show notes so you can connect with him and start a conversation. You won't be disappointed when you talk to him. I'm glad you're joining me on this journey exploring how leadership affects the employee experience. Make sure you hit subscribe and be sure to share this episode with someone who needs to hear more about Scott's work. Keep leading people first and stay awesome.